Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. We're wearing a little Purdue swag today. Um, sorry, the game didn't turn out better last night, but it was a great season, and we're still um, thankful to be in a community where a lot of you work and, and uh, care for Purdue. So thankful for being that here. As we go forward, we're starting uh, a new series called Who Me? And the idea of this Who Me? series is really in t- intended to say, God, you want to speak to me? And then out of that overflow, we invite other people to come for our Easter. So having said that, there are tickets outside. And the tickets that are outside, we want you to take for Easter. Now, here's what I would say. Our church attendance, we're expecting about 500 or 600 more people on that Sunday than a normal Sunday. Look around. There aren't that many empty seats. So what we'd like for you, some of you to do, those tickets, they're, they're not to be sold on eBay, right? That kind of thing. Uh, they're actually free, and, and what the, they're really uh, placeholders. They're kind of markers for us. Um, you don't have to bring the ticket back, but it helps us gauge how the crowd will be. So what we need as many of you as possible is on that day, in this service especially, to go to the 9 o'clock or the 1140, because a whole lot of people will come to this service. If you can do that, now if you're like, this is our service, we're coming to it, of course we want you to come. But if we could get like a third of y'all to shift over for that day, that would be enormously huge, and we appreciate it. So stop by and get your placeholders, um, and just let us know which service you're planning on coming to. We're going to be starting in John chapter 4 today. Through, We're going through three stories in the book of John, the very familiar stories, but really good ones. John chapter 4 says this. We're just going to, by the way, read and talk, read and talk, and then at the end we're going to have a few points. John 4, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. He left Judea and went again to Galilee. He, went, he, had tra- he had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his jersey, set journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. Now, I love this passage because it's really talking about a lot of things that really are common for us. And what I mean by common for us is we often find ourselves in places that we didn't think we would be. So Jesus left where he was ministering and was going to another place he was ministering, but he had to go through a place that nobody wanted to go through. So let's say yesterday you were in, uh, I don't know, pick at Louisville. I don't know why you'd be in Louisville or anything. And you had to come back to West Lafayette. Now, if this was Jesus, he had the choice. Now, I can go the direct route through Indy, but I don't like Indy because Indy has all those people who don't really think like me or talk like me and, you know, they, they, all that stuff. So I'm going to go through Terre Haute instead. That was his two options. Well, he decided not to go through Terre Haute. He decided to take the straight shot through Indy, even though some of the people there wouldn't like him. Now, another thing I want you to point out from this passage that we just read is he was not willing to engage the Pharisees at this point with controversy. In fact, you're going to see here in a little bit that he does engage controversy, but it's a good reminder to us all that we engage controversy at the right time and not the wrong time, and we engage controversy for a purpose and not just to be mean. Fair enough? So Jesus goes, and he goes to a place that was not popular, that there were religious zealots and cultural problems, a place that was arguing over, we have the true faith, no, you have the true faith, no, we have the true faith, and all that fun stuff. 
So Jesus approached the Samaritan woman, and we find and pick up the story in John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because the disciples had gone into town. This is her who me moment, hence the series title. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, a lot's going on here. Uh, a Samaritan woman at that day would have never been approached by a Jewish man for two reasons. First of all, she was a Samaritan. And Samaritans, well, I'm trying to put this delicately. Samaritans were considered lesser um, of the, the line of Jesus. Does that make sense? They were lower class citizens according to the Jews. There was racism involved both ways. Neither side liked either race. Fair enough? And so it was very unusual for a person to talk to a Samaritan. Jesus not only engaged, but he engaged a Samaritan woman. A Jewish man didn't talk to a woman in that day and age unless it was his wife or unless appropriate protocols. But by himself, he would have never done that. And, and so I'm sure she was like sitting there going, whoa, what just happened? Why are you talking to me? Now, a couple other things and a couple of thoughts. Why was this woman alone? That would have been very unusual too. Why was this woman alone? Because, well, have you ever gone to Payless at like three in the morning? And the reason you went to Payless at three in the morning was because you didn't want to see anybody you knew. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't really want to gather with those people. Or have you ever thought to yourself, I really need to go out and do a bunch of things, but I really am not in the mood to run into anybody? Maybe, maybe you haven't showered for that day or for four, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you're just in a bad mood and are you just, you're just like, I hope I don't. This is like when the Samaritan woman went to the well. She was going at a time where she was hoping she wouldn't run into the preacher, right? By the way, pastors do sometimes go to grocery stores. And if you see me, feel free to wave and say hi. Always introduce yourself because it's amazing to me how many people think that I know everybody's first name in this church. I do not. I would like to. And so if you introduce yourself more, that's another story, not even a point, okay? So let's say you run into me, at the, at, you know, that's, she's like, oh, I ran into somebody. I didn't want to run into somebody. Why? Right? So she was either an extreme introvert or there was a reason she didn't want to run into anybody. And you're going to see in a minute, there was a reason she didn't want to run into anybody. All right? The reason she didn't want to run into anybody was, well, the other women didn't like her. How do we know that? You're going to see a little bit more in the story, but here's what we know. The water, getting water from the well at that day was not something you did at noon. If you've ever been to a third world country where they still have wells, I have, where they go, what you find is in, in those cultures, a lot of times it's the women who go get the water and they go to the well and they take their daughters and they take their little boys and they take the buckets and they fill up and take all the water they need for the day. They don't take more than they need, but they, they have it down to, kind of to a science because they don't want to waste the water because they know they can't just turn on the tap and it run forever. But they also, they don't like going back and forth. And the other th reason they go to it is it's the original water cooler. 
So the other women would gather together and they'd go early in the morning and they'd go, how are you doing? Oh, good. Oh, you got your hair cut. That's awesome. You know, did you hear about this and all this stuff? It's the town gathering place where the community would be met and they would get to talk and dialogue and understand what's going on and, and everything happened. Now, this woman didn't go at noon, didn't go early in the morning. She went around noon because she didn't want to be around the other women. Why? Because the other women were talking about her. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been in that time of your life where you're just like, I know people are talking about me? Or maybe they're not talking about you. You just, you don't want to run into somebody and then all of a sudden they approach you. This is the equivalent of somebody coming up to you in the aisle at Payless at three in the morning and saying, by the way, do you know where I can find the soup? And you're like, really? There's signs, you know, that kind of thing. But you, you came and talked to me. Why are you talking to me? John 4, 10 through 14. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Now, this is right after um, he, Jesus asked her for the water, right? Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing from up him in eternal life. So when Jesus approaches her, he asks her for a drink, right? Did Jesus need to ask her for a drink? Well, let's see. He took five loaves and two fish and made a bunch of baskets. So leftover of food. So I don't really think he had to, but he didn't have the tools, but he could have probably made the tools, but he didn't. And so him asking her for a drink, why did he do that? It was a common thing because, well, water is a basic necessity of life. It was a connection point. And when you don't have a lot of connect with people, there is something you can connect with them, right? So he connected with her and said, can I have a drink? And she's like, why are you asking me, a Samaritan woman? And he says, because I want you to know the living water. Now, in this moment, he's both saying, I'm connecting with you, I care for you, and he's insulting her. How? He offered her living water. Oh, you aren't, you aren't really excited by that. Okay, so let's put it to you like this. Living water is water that moves. Well water is water that's stagnant. Ask anybody who is drinking out in the wilderness, would you rather drink water that is stagnant or water that is moving and nine times out of ten, if the water is moving, it's much purer than the water that's stagnant, right? That's, mosquitoes go to stagnant water. We get that, right? Things grow in stagnant water. So when they dig wells, they have to dig them really, really deep to try to pro prohibit the, the dangerous uh, conditions for the water to get bad. So when she's digging it, it's not only um, highly laborious where they have to dig the water down but it also there's a sense that this water is the best they have because if there was moving water they would have taken it from there does that make sense so jesus says to her hey if you asked me i would have not only had given you the water that's down there i would have given you better water and i'm sure she's sitting there going what are you talking about he's really talking about her well and this is what I want to ask you this morning. What's your well? 
What's your well? The place where you go meet somebody or you try not to meet somebody. The place where you go by yourself and you keep going back day after day after day looking for satisfaction and looking for hope. The thing you keep drawing into to get you through the next day and the next day and the next day, but it doesn't ever seem to satisfy you. Maybe for some of you it's being in control of everything. Maybe for some of you it's an addiction. Maybe for some of you it's a sin you can't seem to overcome. It's the place that you're embarrassed about. It's the thing that you don't want anyone to know. Maybe you hope your spouse doesn't even find out, but you keep going back longing for something to connect with you, longing for that to satisfy you. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a profession. Maybe it's longing for fame. Maybe it's whatever. I don't know, but it's that place that you keep going back to to find satisfaction, but only to find it is not satisfying Jesus wants to give you living water instead of that. Jesus wants you to know the blessing of who he is. So can we be candid with each other this morning? In this room, there's a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of wells in their life. Things that you don't really want to say out loud. But God wants to take that and give you something better. Do we receive that? Well, maybe. Her reply was John 4, 15. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw the water. In other words, give it to me. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Daniel, you're telling me that I don't have to have this problem anymore or that, that I won't be longing like I'm longing. Okay, I'm ready. Now, this is the honest place where we are. A lot of times, uh, in honest realities, a lot of times people come to Jesus for the byproduct of what he has to offer. In other words, in the misery and the struggle of your life, a lot of times people are attracted to what Jesus wants to do because your life is not turning out like you thought it would. Is that real? Your marriage is on the rocks. Well, what could it hurt? Let's give Jesus a try. And you're not really coming to try to find Jesus. You're coming to try to save your marriage. Well, we're broke. I don't know if we have any money, but maybe Jesus can give us money. Let's go to church, right? Oh, they passed these little buckets. What's that? That's the opposite of what I'm looking for right now. A lot of times people come and they don't really want Jesus. They want what Jesus has to offer. And that's what this woman honestly is. Give me the living water. I don't want this longing anymore. Now, that's okay that we're drawn for the byproduct, except that the byproduct of what Jesus offers isn't actually the solution. The solution is Jesus himself. And when we find Jesus himself, we find that the byproducts work out. Let's pick up the story in John 4, 16 through 18. So she comes looking for the answer. She's come asking for it. She's interested. She's intrigued. Give this to me. And he says, go call your husband, he told her. "Uh Uh-oh. And come back here. Well, I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you've had five husbands, and the man you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Nice way to cut to the chase, Jesus. Right? And why would he do that? Because, I mean, does Jesus just love being mean? Well, actually, he avoided controversy earlier in the passage by leaving and going to another place. So why is he being so controversial here? He's really not. 
He's saying, I know who you are. I know the well that's in your life that's longing. I am able to look into the depths of what you're trying to draw out for satisfaction to tell you that it's not enough. Now, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now, you're just shacking up with. I know. And he's sitting there going, oh, what? How would you know that? It's, oh, you must, oh, you're a prophet. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. For our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when we will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming, and when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am He. Now, can you imagine how the conversation would have gone if he walked up to her from the beginning and said, uh, may I have a drink of water? By the way, I'm the Messiah. Wouldn't have gone really well, would it? No, he, he had to show, in a sense, who he was. So when he said, I know that you've been married five times, that was giving him the permission to have the authority to say, I know who I am God. How would I be God except that I know that you have five husbands, have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband, right? In other words, I can look into the depths of who you are, and I can find out what you're doing, and I want you to know that I love you where you are. I want you to know that this is where joy happens. This is where peace happens. This is where the solution is found. It's not found in, in going through the regular routine of life. It's not showing up day after day trying to draw from the same well. It's giving it all and surrendering all to Christ. Right there. So when he, he's unpacking this with her, he's trying to explain why he has authority to say, I am God. And he's trying to tell her, I love you. And the, the epitome of what this is about, the way that you know you've arrived is that you are worshiping God. Notice how he transitioned there. He said, one day you worship here and, and, and you say that we worship there and, and we argue over who's worshiping on this spot. What we worship is not the spot. We worship God. Let me translate. If you're not following some of us came here this morning, and we're a little grumpy because we stayed up too late last night and our team lost, right? And maybe you came here this morning and you started arguing with your spouse because you were too grumpy because you stayed up too late last night because your team lost. And maybe just maybe you're a little tired because, well, your team lost. I don't know how to throw that out there anymore. And I get it. But you came to worship we welcome the healer in this place. Right? Did you welcome the healer in this place? Or did you, we welcome the healer in this place. When's the sermon coming? There's more basketball on this afternoon. What's for lunch? What's for lunch? 
I hope it's tacos. <laughs> Did you come expecting the power of God to show up here? Or did you just go through the routine hoping to find something else to get you? Do you treat church as a well instead of living water? We don't worship, well, we do worship here in a place. But we worship here because it just happens to be the place that we actually worship Him. Worship is understanding the living water is moving and breathing through us. And when you realize that God looks down at you in your well, in your pit, in your misery, and he says, I did not leave you there. That I care for you right where you are, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life. I love you. I'm willing to talk to you when nobody else will. I'm willing to, to go into the mess. I'm willing to go into your stagnant water of life and say, there is hope. There is living water. There is life to be found there. Come to me that we can worship the God who looked down at us and said, you are not worth it, but I'm sending my son to die for you so that you will be worth it. I love you. And as we find his love, as we find his nature and are drawn into him, the living water comes alive in our life. And then we go around singing, we welcome the healing in this place because we are healed. Now, some of you are sitting there going, that sounds awesome. Daniel, what does that look like? It looks like discipleship. What does that mean? It looks like following Jesus. Followers follow Jesus. And as you dive into small groups, as you seek Christian counseling, as you go through the right process, you can't just seek Christian counseling for the end of trying to find peace here. Peace will never come through counseling alone. Peace comes through chasing after Jesus and the counseling can help you. You can't find peace by being in a community just of small group alone. Small group will help find the people who point you to Jesus where peace is found. You can't find peace by coming to church one hour a week, one hour a month for some of you. You can't find peace doing that, right? Peace comes when you come here to encounter God and let him change you. Who, me? Yeah. And God knows every part of you, the thing that you're embarrassed about, the thing that you don't want anyone to find out about, the reason you sneak off to pay less at three in the morning. And he meets you there and says, I love you, child. Somewhere along the line, you need to understand the gospel message that says he loves you right where you are, that you were made with dignity. But somewhere along the line, you dug a well and it was called sin and depravity entered. You did what you wanted to do, what you thought was best, and it hurt you and you didn't realize it. And you were separated from God. But God didn't leave you there. Instead, he made a way to be reconciled back to him, to restore that relationship when the father sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And all who receive him find the glory of what he's done. 
and come and receive his grace and his mercy. And the Bible says if you repent and believe that he died for you, then you can be saved. And we'd love to talk to you about that. And if you're thinking that you're the only person who is, no. Everyone in this room has been there. God meets you at your well. And he wants to make you well by healing you. Now here's the danger. The danger is we become a place that is about us still, that we want to just be healing and we don't want our church to be messy. We don't want people to bring their wells here. We'd rather just to have our own life and have everything be good. You know what happens is we as a church need to be excited about what God's doing. And so we need to share. It's called evangelism. Tell the good news. Okay. Here's the reason we don't share the good news. It's not because you aren't equipped. Although some of you may feel that way. You don't share not only not because you're not equipped. Sometimes you say, I don't want to share because I don't, I'm scared people will reject me. And that may be a little bit of it. You know, the reason we really don't share is because we're not excited about what God is doing in our life. Because when God's doing something awesome, you're like, this is awesome. I mean, I was here and now I'm here. Did, did you see? I was here, but now I'm here. I couldn't have gotten here. God carried me. That's awesome. Hey, I got to go tell somebody. In the story of the, the, the Samaritan woman, she comes and she receives the power of Jesus. She goes, be right back, Jesus. And she goes to town and grabs a few thousand of her friends, okay? Why? Because this man told everything about me. Yeah, we know all about you. He still talked to me. Do you get it? He knew me, like you all know me. He was a lot nicer to me than you all, but come here anyways. <laughs> and this is what we're called to do, to share what God has done with us because followers share what they, I want you to be excited about what he is doing in your life. And I want you to know that there's a better life than going to the same well day after day after day looking for satisfaction and meaning. And the way we share that is we get and connect with other people. I want to walk real quickly through a, a quote by Leonard Sweet. that says, we as the church need to go on an epic journey. Now, here's the way most of the church shares their faith. As they get excited about what Jesus is doing, right? What they do is they say this. They say the following. If you experience Jesus, then you can participate with me. Then I'll show you my life, which is the image-driven Experience, participate, it's epic, spelling epic, in case you didn't know it. Then I'll show you my life, and then I'll let you connect with me. Did you get that? That's how most churches practice. Get your life together, then you can participate, then I'll show you how Jesus is alive in me, and then you can connect in our community. <laughs> Who does that? That doesn't work that way. What we need to do is flip the script, go on an epic journey, and go, we need to connect with people first. We need to connect with people first. I go to the same gas station every single day, even if it's three cents more. Why? Because I want to have connections with people in the gas station. That sounds weird. I'm a pastor. I work around most of the Christians. Well, there's a couple of them we wonder about sometimes, but mostly Christians, right? They work at a church. And so I have to be very intentional about having connections with people. I go into the bank instead of going through the teller because I want to know the bankers' names. I know my bankers' names. I know about their families. I can tell you that. Why? Because I want to connect with them. 
And as I connect, I'm inviting that mess in. Now, when I invite mess in, I'm, I'm asking them to bring their mess in. And so I want to show them that God is good even in the mess. So I try to be vulnerable with them. I had a bad day. Here's what's happening. But God is still good. And as I'm doing that, I'm trying to get them to where they want to participate in life with me, and then they'll experience God, right? But lots of times we want to do it because they have stagnant water, and we want living water in our life. And so we know that they have mosquitoes because they're stagnant water, and those mosquitoes are going to suck the very life out of me. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't really like being in an environment with a bunch of mosquitoes. I grew up in Texas. I mean, they were mosquitoes, people. <laughs> We had a dog, no more. It's carried away. It's just, that's not true. It's just a straight exaggeration. Big mosquitoes. And so, they would, and so sometimes we sit there and go, I, how can we, can we spray our church down to make sure that there's no pests, no bugs? Because I just want a pristine environment where we can get together and sing Jesus. That's not church. Nah. But we want the people to bring their mosquito-infested life in here. And then we want to show them living water because we don't want them to live that way. Now, why don't we do it? Because we look at their mess, and we look at our mess, and we sit there and think, I can't figure out my own mess. How can I figure out their mess, right? Good news. You don't have to figure out your mess, and you sure don't have to figure out their mess. you got to take their mess to Jesus. So as you connect with people, you're showing them the love of God and how God is moving in your life. You know, my life's a mess. Your life's a mess. Good. My life's a mess. We're both a mess. Let's go find Jesus, right? That's how this works. And as we grow closer to God in all this, as we, we struggle with parenting, as we go through all this, then our hope is that we don't stay in the mess, but we allow God to, to refine us, to, to make us look more like him, that we become more and more in his image, that we, that we participate together and we experience God together. Did that sound awesome? And then we go look around and we go, hey, you got mosquitoes circling over your head. Come on in. It means your water's not moving. That's what the church should look like. So here's our Monday morning application. I want you to connect with someone with the intention of seeing them connect with Jesus. So that's so, what do you mean? Connect. I'm not even asking you to, to, to say a gospel message. I want you to begin to learn somebody's life with the intention in the long haul of helping them to come. A simple thing. It's three weeks away from Easter. Maybe this week you connect. Next week you connect again. And the following week you connect again and invite them to Easter so that you're not the first time connecting with them going, hey, here's the track. Hey, come to Jesus. Hey. Maybe you start slowly building a relationship that will make them want to see what's different about you. A sidebar, this is a, another Monday morning application, but it's not on the screen. What's your well? And I want you to give it to Jesus. Because Jesus wants to take that stagnant water of your life and turn it into living water too. It's been okay. You've gotten by. You don't need to live with it anymore. Would you do that? Church, great days are ahead. But not if we try to do it on our own. Let's take everything to the glory of Jesus. Let's figure it out together. Let's read his word. Let's grow in discipleship. Let's draw closer to each other and help the world see how good our Savior truly is. Father, move in our lives. Help us to see where we need to go and what we need to do in life. And God, in this room and in this moment today, we ask that you would guide us and guard us. God, as we're trying to identify what we need to give to you, would you refine us and move in us? 
God, there's addictions in this room that need to be done away with today. There's habitual sins today that we need to finally bring to light at the foot of the cross. God, there's relationships that need to be restored. So God, would you take all of this and move? And as a community, help us to to help others find you. For you are our source of hope, strength. You are good. We love you and trust you. In your holy name we pray.